Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor-in-chief here at Modern Retail. Today, we sat down with Chris Waldeck. He's the executive vice president, co-chief operating officer, and global brand president of Lee Jeans. Now, Lee is a company that I'm guessing all of us know about. I know about it, definitely. Specifically for me, it reminds me of some iconic ad campaigns from the 90s. I have these images in my head of... I guess they were from a while ago now, but of of just commercials of people wearing jeans. Uh, they were they were really really dominant back then. But I wanted to talk this time with Chris about how the company is trying to re-energize the brand to go beyond uh, what we've what we've known it for for the last many decades, as well as how Lee is trying to reach younger shoppers. Lee has had a bunch of brand collaborations and ad campaigns of late, and many of them are specifically aimed at catching the eye of Gen Z shoppers. So. Um, I want to dive into how one, or more specifically, how a brand leader like Chris approaches steering a centuries-old brand's identity. Um, It's something that I'm personally always interested in when you have a company that everybody knows about, but you're trying to say something new. How do you actually do that uh, while, while remaining authentic and making people, you know, still know that you have that initial brand cachet? Anyway, I'll stop now. We'll go to the conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Kayla. I really appreciate it. And, and you know, you're, you're right. The Lee brand is over 130 years old. Uh, we uh, started in Salina, Kansas. H.D. Uh, Lee formed the company, and, and uh, it was in Kansas City for, for over 100 years. And then we moved it here to Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, about four years ago. And you know, when I, I just think about the evolution of the brand, and, and by the way, I, I grew up in Kansas City, so I grew <laughs> up around the brand and the hometown and and uh, and seeing it there. So it's uh, it's been fun later in my career now to to come back and to uh, to have the the opportunity to to lead this brand. It's 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 really been exciting. But you know, when I think about the brand and just the evolution that we've gone through in the last five years and, and what the brand was and, and where we're headed today, I couldn't be prouder of the progress that we've made. You know, we've really focused on investments in, in design, in innovation, how we go to market, sustainability, and, and really in, in just reaching new, younger consumers, not just here in the U.S., but literally around the world in, in ways that we never have before. And uh, I, I think the momentum that the brand has now, the people that we're partnering with through collaborations and, and others, it's just, uh, it's really exciting and it's, it's exciting to, to see it and, uh, uh, and to, to be, be leading it. Absolutely. You've set the table for literally everything I want to talk about. So thank you for, for doing a lot of my job for me. You're welcome <laughs> for that. Yeah. But yeah, first, let's yeah. start with you. Um, What's you? Know, I I was doing some research, so I know a little bit about your background. But you you did you you joined about five years ago? Is that correct? Yes, I did. Yes. And so, what were you doing before? Talk about sort of you know what your professional expertise have been, and and sort of what you what you what you started doing when you first came into Lean. Yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, I've I've had the opportunity over my career to work with a lot of brands, and and. You know, when I really sit back and just look at my career and, and someone once asked me what keeps you up at night. And, and for me, it's, it's really am I learning as fast as the world is changing? And as I think about my career and, and you know, it's it, your career is in a, a linear straight path. As we all know, you, you bounce around. And I try to tell that to my 
20-something-year-old daughters every day that it's not going to work that way. But, you know, I've really had the opportunity to, to add skills to my toolbox. And that's how I really think about it wherever I am. It's, it's you know, I've done merchandising, sales, sourcing, product development, brand marketing, general management, um, you know, covering multiple channels, wholesale, retail, e-commerce, um, and, and doing it both domestically and internationally. I think that the most exciting thing, though, has really been the fact that I've been fortunate to work with some really true, truly global leading brands. If it's Spalding Sports, Top Flight Golf, um, Reebok, Adidas, and, and now being a part of, of both Lee and Wrangler underneath Contour Brands, it's, uh, it's really been a pleasure. And I, I think, you know, as I think about that red thread in my career and and, and that really that desire to continue to evolve and to learn. Um, it's, it's the challenge that I always pose to my team is, you know, are we staying ahead of our consumer and continuing to ask ourselves, where is our consumer going and, and how do we need to evolve our product, how we're communicating with our consumer, how they shop for our products and, and that. And so, you know, I think we're, we're doing a good job of that today. Um, I see the momentum that we're building behind that. But, uh, you know, I, I think just to, to tie it together, my career has really been about doing a lot of different things and trying to learn as much as I can about that and then being able to apply that now that I'm in more of a, a general manager type role. Yeah, I mean, given all of those different roles you just described, it seems like your long job title then makes sense because it seems like you're, you have your hands in a lot of different areas of the business. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I really enjoy that. I think that's what what keeps it exciting, um, but also it allows you to, you know, I think in a lot of corporations and, and, and global corporations like ours, having someone who's able to, to quote, connect the dots, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the organization and continue to make sure that, that people are, are focused on what's important and that we're driving behind what's important. Because at times, you know, I remember this back in, in my day when I was a junior product manager or the rest of it, you know, you you somewhat get lost in your own problems and issues and, and having someone who can help you get above the trees, so to speak, and really understand what's needed to drive the business. And, you know, we think about our world today, if, if it's COVID lockdowns in China, war in Europe, um, just the economic challenges we have going on, there's a lot, um, there's a lot out there and there's a lot for our team to be dealing with and thinking about. And, uh, and and being able to try and, and help prioritize for the organization, I think, is really, really important. So what would you say when you joined in 2017? That Correct, that was the year. What was, what, yes. what was your, I guess, mandate? I always feel like when people enter a new executive role, there's something specific that they're trying to accomplish. What were you trying to accomplish back then? Well, it, frankly, it was to energize the brand. And it was to get the band, brand back on track. Um, we had gotten old and our consumer was getting older every day. And so for us, it was really about putting new life into the brand, getting it laser focused on, uh, on, on its strategy, on, on its icons and, and celebrating those. And, and, you know, when, when I think about what we've done with the brand, it's, it's really looking at the brand through a modern lens, but without losing sight of who we are. And, and what really makes the brand so strong and so iconic out there. And, you know, being able to do that and being able to appeal to consumers, if it's here in the U.S., 
throughout Europe, throughout Asia, and, and the rest of it. And so that was really the mandate is just, you know, get this brand uh, energized, get it focused, and, uh, and really drive it on a growth path. And of course, uh, two years into it, we, we spun off from, from VF and, and formed Contour Brands, and, and that was a whole different evolution in our path and uh, some, some really exciting times. And I think, frankly, that's what really, truly energized the brand is, is being able to, to get out from, from under the, the VF umbrella um, and be able to really have people who are coming every, in every day focused on Lee focused on driving the brand and building the brand. And, uh, and, and it's, we're seeing tremendous results from it. So when you are trying to re-energize a brand like Lee, that, you know, is a, s- such an, uh, such a part of culture has been around for so long for you. Is, is that an issue of re recharging the marketing, making the right brand partners, or is it, is it, more about merchandising and making sure that the right products fit with the consumer set that you're targeting. It's all of the above, frankly, it it, it really truly is. And, and, you know, when, when we think about this, um, when we spun off, we, we really looked at rebuilding the foundation that the brand sits on today. And so part of that was just global consistency in, in logos in how you use the icons, how we talk about the brand, um, you know, our muse, our consumer, the rest of it. But a lot of it also was about how we're going to market and getting the right licensees, the right partners, the right distributors, um, being in the right markets um, and, and really having that globally consistent consumer experience is, is what we talk about and, and delivering that to the consumer. And so that was, was part of what we were focused on. But then, you know, we also hired our, our first global head of design, Betty Madden, that, uh, you know, you would think about a, a brand like Lee would have a, a global head of design, and we didn't. And, uh, and, and so we brought Betty in and, and really focused on design and, and those important elements as it comes to fit and quality and construction, but also bringing through a sustainability story that, that's meaningful and that relates to our consumers all around the world. So, it was a little bit of, of each one of those factors that, uh, that, that led into it. And of course, you know, launched our, our what is now becoming our very successful Lee Originals campaign and, and getting the right talent in place. And I could go on forever, but, uh, um, but it was a lot of very different steps that we took. And, and at the same time, we always had this North Star as related to, you know, the fact that that just the aesthetic of the brand and, and who we wanted to be, our consumer, and, uh, and and knowing that we we wanted to drive long-term sustainable growth. Got it. You mentioned a little bit about this early in the question, but you mentioned distribution and that sort of evolved. I like traditionally just thinking as like a kid, I feel like Lee was a type of brand that maybe I would see at a department store or something like that. And I bet you, how, how has distribution shifted since you, you, you spun off and became contour and you've been focusing more on that go-to-market strategy? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, our distribution is a little bit different as we go around the world. And I'll step you through that as we go. If, if we start over in Asia and we'll work our way back around okay. right now, but you know, Lee's the number one brand in China. Um, number one premium denim brand in China. We have over 600 mono brand retail stores throughout China and, and uh, um, really tell a premium 
experience for our consumers throughout China. We, we license the brand and work through distributors through other markets throughout Southeast Asia. But again, those markets are primarily a mono brand um, experience with, with Lee stores and, and uh, shop and shops and the rest of it around, the, around those different marketplaces. You know, a big element, though, with that, obviously, is digital and the role that e-commerce plays into it. If it's uh, um, Tmall, if it's um, Flipkart in India and the rest of it. So making sure that we're looking at that entire ecosystem and how we're connecting with consumers for us is, is really, really important. And, and you know, you also got to think about segmentation when you're in there with price points and the rest of it and, and how that works. Coming over to, to Europe, um, that way we have a, a mix of, of both um, a traditional wholesale model, you know, and it would be a good, better, best distribution levels and, and, and all the way through, like you would see. So department stores, boutiques, um, and, then, and then value channel. Um, but we also have, uh, have owned mono brand retail in, in Europe. You know, I think about Poland, where we have over 100 stores in Poland with own stores and partner and the rest of it. Um, and then we just opened up a, a beautiful dual branded store, Lee and Wrangler in Berlin, uh, a month ago. And we have a couple more slated to open up here in the coming weeks and months. And, and so, um, really excited about that, but also, you know, we, we have, uh, um, the, the direct to consumer channels as it relates to, to digital there. If it's, if it's Lee.com, but also the different marketplaces that, uh, that we participate in throughout Europe. So, Again, a very dynamic marketplace. And then coming over here to the U.S., and you're right, um, Lee really was more of a department store brand. And as we know, that particular channel is, uh, is, is tightening up right now, I guess would be the best way to describe that. And, um, and for us, it's really been about that premiumization of the brand and reaching new, younger consumers and participating in channels that, frankly, we haven't in the past, if it's boutiques and others. And, uh, um, and we're seeing some, some really great success there. But what underpins that is a really strategic approach to segmentation. And that goes back to our icons, to our archives, and how we think about the different products that, uh, um, that we bring through there. And, you know, if you're a brand and you're going to be partnering with someone like the Brooklyn Circus on a really premium, high-end collaboration, but you're also, you know, in a Walmart, that requires some uh, <laughs> a strategic approach to how you're looking at your product and how you're segmenting it. Wow. I have I have so many questions from all that that I want to dig into. Um, I guess I'll go from the start of that. First, what you mentioned uh, T-Mall, Flipkart, all those. And this is a question I always try to or want to ask major global brand leaders is how do you approach those very geographically focused but still leading um like marketplaces uh, and platforms, is it do you do you usually partner outside? Do you use you know out of house help? Do you do you just have big teams there? Because I imagine figuring out what works, what resonates, what the right selection is, what the right price point is, is so dynamic, and you can't do that just from you know a couple of people in the United States who are then you know going over to China and saying we'll put it on T Mall and see what works. Yeah, you know you're 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 spot on, and I think there's that that global consistency that big brands are always striving for, but you absolutely need to be laser focused on the local consumer, and you need to have local relevancy. You need to be partnering with the with the right celebrities and the, and saying the the right message and being at the right things from a a cultural standpoint and where you show up. And you know you think about China and. 
China, not unlike the United States, if it's Beijing versus Shanghai, two totally different consumers and, and how they think about things. Uh, um, you know, you think India, you think uh, um, Taiwan, Thailand, um, Japan, Korea, you know, all dramatically different consumers in, in how they just approach the marketplace. So I think it's it's critical that you have you know, local talent there and that the brand is showing up and understands how to communicate with those consumers. We've got a, a strong team in Shanghai that uh, that helps lead our, our China business there, works very, very closely with Tmall, JD, and all the rest of the different formats there in China. Um, but we, we also have a team down in, in India and, and a team out of Hong Kong and, and all the rest. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's about your brand and how your brand is connecting with the consumers, but also giving the consumer the opportunity to, to participate in your brand. And, and that's what's what's really, really important and doing it in a way that is that's organic and and uh, and, and works. So it's it's you know, to answer your question specifically, it's a little bit of, of both in in that uh, you, you want to have that that. HQ global brand consistency, but you've got to be market relevant. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Please stay with us. You you mentioned the the boutique and higher end strategy in the U.S. First, can you give a little bit of context about the the Brooklyn Circus collaboration? Sort of how did what was it? How did it work out? And what made you decide to do that? Yeah, you know, we, we've got two really exciting collaborations that literally just dropped in, in the last two weeks. We've, we've got one with the Brooklyn Circus, which is a, a collaboration that's available both here and in Europe. And then we've got one with, with Shot in Europe also, which is, a, it, ironically enough, it's a, it's a New York-based brand, but, uh, um, but the collaboration is, is one that we're doing over in Europe. And, you know, I think what's, in, in going back to my footwear days and the rest of it, what's really important with these collaborations is, is you bring you bring two brands. And in this case, it's, it's two more boutique um, retailers, but the brand can be um, Coca-Cola, like we did a very successful collaboration with Coca-Cola over in China last year or, or others. And so really having something that, that ties back and that, that, that is, is, is relevant from a storytelling standpoint. And the Brooklyn Circus one is one I'm really, really proud of. Um, um, our, our head of men's design here, Sedgwick Cole, um, used to work with, with OG Theodore, who's the, the founder of, of Brooklyn Circus and creative director and, and uh, overall uh, cool guy there at, at, at Brooklyn Circus. And, and, you know, the two of them worked together back in the day. And, and uh, I think if you talk to Seth, he'd, he'd think of OG as somewhat of a, of a mentor to him. And so the two of them getting together was, was a natural. And, uh, and it was really great. And, you know, they pulled from our, our iconic archives product, if it's the Union All or, or the, the Storm Rider jacket and the Rider jean and the rest of it, and, and really brought that to life. And, and, you know, I think what was, was exciting about it is they really pushed the boundaries of what was expected from Lee and bringing in that, that Brooklyn flair and or Brooklyn style, I guess. And, and, you know, the, the culture of, of the black cowboy and, and what that had on, on, on the West. And, uh, they did a fantastic job. The, the collab has been, uh, extremely well received both 
just from the feedback we've gotten from from consumers, but uh, but commercially as well. Can you talk a little about sort of from a higher higher level strategic level these types of the the idea behind these collaborations and when and how you choose to work with a boutique like it seems like these you know lee's a big company you're global you're you're a brand of scale but like doing these one-off collaborations is it just so so you're part of you know the zeitgeist you're part of the conversation and people you know remember you and think of you in those ways how do you choose what type of you know smaller boutique to work with so that it checks off certain things off your list that that it's worth it for you as such a big brand. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, I, I go back to in, in the case of collaborations, you want one plus one to equal four, not one plus one to equal two. And so when you bring brands together, and I'll use the Coca Cola one if if you'd like as an example that we did over in in China. Um, you know, you go back to to 130 years ago, H D Lee and and the and the the, the Coke Corporation worked together and all the delivery men who used to deliver Coke, think about, uh, I'm going to say milkmen, but we don't really have those <laughs> anymore either. But, uh, um, but you know, they all wore, Lee made the uniforms for all the Coke delivery drivers back in the day. And there's, there's documentation in the Coke, um, uh, you know, archives and in ours of, of memos going back and forth between them. And so, there was a natural connection there. And I think that's what's so important. And what, what kids are looking for today is the story behind these products and the story behind why this exists. And, and you know, that was what was so, so cool for me about the Brooklyn Circus one was just the story behind the two designers coming together and why they came together. There's no connection between Brooklyn Circus and, and Lee other than than these two mm-hmm. and uh, and really bringing them together to tell a, a fantastic story and to make some some great products. So when I look at collaborations, if it's um, us with H&M that we did uh, two years ago, and that was all around sustainability and, and really um, having that shared platform of, of sustainability and bringing that to life, to the Coke collaboration we did over in China, to this Brooklyn Circus when they're ever... It's that that story behind the product that I think is is so important, and what the consumer today is looking for, and frankly, what they uh, what they have accessibility to. And I, you know, but that also comes to life, and we're seeing it right now in our our Lee Archive collection. And, and you know, we launched this this on our own website here in the U.S., and it's it's bringing back to life. Um, our our iconic styles and our iconic silhouettes, and it's it's that repurposing of of what was used, bring it back in, and and uh, and turning around and 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 selling that back. And and I think there's uh, there's the stories behind this that are that are so important. Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, a certain nostalgia and you know retroness is in right now. So it, ma- it makes sense for you to go back to your old styles and bring them back up. Is that sort of the reason why you did that? Was you noticed that more more people were talking about things of yore? Yeah, you know, it's 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 a it's a platform for us to do a couple different things. To to one to to highlight and to talk about those iconic silhouettes to to a, a generation that that may not know anything about them um, to tell them the story. But it's also then an opportunity for us to take what was once old and and bring it back in a new format. If it's around sustainability, if it's with new fabrics, new fits, um, and then you you combine that with some 
some really fun um, collaborations and, and the rest of it. It's, uh, it's an opportunity just first to bring other consumers into the discussion. And, you know, it's also a, a lot of fun for our designers also and, uh, and for them to think creatively. And, and that's really what we're, what we're driving for is the new. You mentioned um, earlier in the conversation that one of the things you've been focused on the last five years is reaching younger customers, you know, giving it a brand refresh. Has that, you know, it sounds like the Brooklyn Circus is, you know, that's a, you know, collabs are one way to reach younger people when you're, you know, do those fun sort of splashy things. What are other ways that you've been thinking about targeting Gen Z uh, and how, how have you approached that? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's there's been a couple things that we've been really successful with and and you know, collaborations is one aspect of it. But, you know, when we think about just the brand showing up in different places that it hasn't traditionally showed up, like Bonnaroo, music festivals um, and others. And, and you know, we, we were at Bonnaroo this last last year and uh, had a fantastic time there, um, able to engage with consumers, allow consumers to tell their story. We had a massive denim tree there uh, that we created. And, and you know, just in showing up in different places where, frankly, the brand hasn't been before, it's, it's really important, um, but doing it in a relevant way and doing that aligned with things like if it's Bonnaroo or if it's these collaborations and others that we're doing um, has really been effective for us. But also, you know, I go back to our, our Lee Originals campaign and just how that is connecting with consumers today. And it's a digitally based campaign you know, we partnered with uh, with Mark Selinger, who I don't know if you know Mark or have heard of him, but Mark's, uh, uh, I'm going to call him a world famous uh, photographer. <laughs> he has over 180 some odd um, covers of Rolling Stone that he's photographed, um, photographs uh, for for Vogue magazine and, and Vanity Fair around, you know, the the Oscars and all the rest of it. And, and um, by the way, a fantastic storyteller over a, uh, a glass of wine or a beer. But, uh, um, but you know, we, we approached Mark. Actually, Mark, I think, actually approached us uh, um, almost two years ago now. And, and Mark's based in New York City. He's originally a, a guy out of Texas, but uh, based in New York City now. And, uh, you know, grew up with and around the brand and had a real affinity for the brand and wanted to work with us. And and we got to know each other and we really wanted to work with Mark. And what, what I like so much about Mark, and I, I think it's it's so important today in the, we'd like to say 15 second sound bites, but it's really more like two or three second sound bites, is Mark has a unique ability to tell a, an incredibly deep story through a photograph. And, uh, you, you know, you just, you look at the work that Mark's done over the years and, and, uh, you know, if it's if it's Springsteen, Obama, the Beatles, I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's really incredible. And, and what he's really great at is capturing the essence of, of his subject matter or even if it's New York City during covid, you know, uh, whatever. And and, uh, um, and and telling a really deep, rich story. And, and he's been able to do that for us um, with, you know, the imagery that he shot and, and how we're we're really bringing the brand to life and, and bring it to life uh, for our consumer in, in a way that's that's very unique and very relevant for Lee. So what you mentioned, that's a digital only campaign. Does that mean that, you know, how, how is that being shared and how like what what are the nuts and bolts of that precise campaign and how did it come to be? 
Yeah, and you know, I say digitally only, and and we we have uh, billboards in New York and, okay. <laughs> and Atlanta and, and, and the rest. But uh, but you know, I I think for for us it is really focused around digital, and that that's where our consumer is today. That's where he and she shop, um, and and even if they're in a brick and mortar format, they're still on their phones. They're still checking the internet and and cross referencing price and fit and reviews and all the rest of it. And so for us, it's it's really important that that we're meeting the consumer where they are, and that we're available to them when they want us. And uh, um, so if it's you know Facebook, TikTok, I mean it it, it goes on for forever. And uh, um, you know the level of sophistication that that our marketers today are able to reach consumers in in and in a voice that is very relevant for that consumer, I, it's. Uh, it's amazing. It's almost a little bit scary, frankly, but uh, um, but it's 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 really effective. I wanted to ask you. You know, you mentioned being on all these channels a few years ago. A lot of those platforms were focusing on on e-commerce as as one of their primary vehicles. Instagram's is a great example. You know, TikTok is supposedly building out its own e-commerce platform. How from you from the brand perspective, do you view do you? Like, I'm sure that you, if if people want to buy Lee jeans on TikTok, you would allow them to buy them on TikTok. But like, do you do you actually think that in, we do in China? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In China. Yeah. So yeah, in, in the in the U.S., do you actually think it's going to become a predominant category with this over the overlapping of commerce and social media, or do you think it, it seems like people talk about it and then it doesn't happen, and then people talk about it again? What do you think from the brand perspective? I, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's going to migrate to the best consumer experience and where that consumer can have the best experience out there. And so if it's, if it's Lee.com, if it's, uh, you know, Nordstrom's.com, if it's Amazon, whatever, I think the consumer ultimately is going to go to, to where they, they feel that they have the best consumer experience. And that's what ultimately is going to win out in the marketplace. And, you know, you're, you're exactly right. I want consumers to be able to buy Lee and I want I, I want them to, uh, I want to be able to engage with them wherever they are. Now, at the same time, um, I, I want to make sure that the experience is good and that they're getting the, the best product at the best price and returns and all those things are are good for the consumer. Because at the end of the day, they're buying a pair of Lees and I, I want that experience to be a, a, a quality experience regardless of, of the format that we're in. But uh, um, we think about, the, the digital side is as a digital ecosystem out there. And, uh, you know, I think back to, to my days as a kid when you would walk in the mall and there was, you know, Macy's and JCPenney's and Nordstrom's and, and uh, um, whoever else there in the mall. And you would, you know, you would bounce between the, the different stores. Well, that's that's basically what we have today with the Internet. You know, you're you're bouncing between both a brick and mortar format and a digital format. And uh, um, so, you know, we want to be where our consumer wants us to be. And, uh, and, and I think at the end, they're going to migrate to where they have the best experience overall. All right. Makes sense. We're j- just about running out of time, but I have a couple more questions for you. Um, I've been loving this conversation. You mentioned earlier the Wrangler Lee co-branded shop in Germany. I wanted to ask you about that. Have you guys worked, like, what is, what made you decide to do that? What's the strategy behind it? And you mentioned that a few are going to come stateside. Is that correct? 
Yeah, so we have um, we have some Lee Wrangler um, co-branded outlet stores here in in the U.S. Uh, obviously, Lee and Wrangler are both part of Contour Brands, and and so we're we're brother sister uh, brands out there. And and you know, I, I think for us, it it really gives us an advantage um, with our consumers. We have two, you know, global powerhouse denim brands that have a very clear and distinct identity. And, you know, we're able to appeal to, to different consumers with that, you know, on the Wrangler side, the, the more Western um, consumer, that, that Western lifestyle, outdoor lifestyle, and, and at the same time being able to, to bring the, the Lee style and, and more urban approach to it is, has really been effective. And, you know, it's, it's not indifferent to, to what you would have seen at the department store where you walk in and there's multiple different denim brands that you can buy. Um, in the case of this, it's, it's Lee and Wrangler, but it's in a very curated um, experience for that consumer. High level of service. Obviously, you know, we're able to get them into the right size and the right fit and the right look and, and all of that. And uh Again, at the end of the day, it's it's that consumer, they're, they're looking for that experience and, and what is around that. And, and I think we're delivering that with these with these dual branded stores. But at the same time, being very, very true to to what the two brands are and, and, and what they look like. At the same time, you know, we have Wrangler only stores and we have Lee only stores in different parts of the world also. So uh, um, looking at the different formats. Got it. Makes sense. All right. Well, this will be my last question before I let you go. But, you know, we're coming to the end of the year, going into 2023. What are the the top three things that you're focused on for the year to come that you're hoping to achieve at Lee? Yeah, you know, I think for a, a couple of things, one is just building on this momentum that we've we've already started to create and, and keep that moving and, and continuing to build on that. Second thing is, is, you know, we're really leaning into sustainability and into the product and how that comes to life for the consumer. And, you know, frankly, we haven't done a good enough job to this date of, of tooting our horns for all the great things we're doing around that. And I want to make sure that we're, we're truly um, bringing that part of our, uh, of our business to life for the consumer so they understand some of the great things that we've done from a sustainability standpoint. And then, you know, finally, it's it's continuing to reach new consumers in different markets. And, uh, you know, if it's here in the U.S. with with the more premium consumer, younger consumer, um, if it's in uh, Australia, just different aspects of that consumer. So uh, I, I think it's really reaching out to them and, and doing it in, in new categories. And, you know, we didn't talk too much about it here, but that whole work leisure aspect oh, yeah. of it and just what that looks like and the casualization that's out there and, and, uh, um, and the role that, that Lee can play in that and, and RE is today. So I think it's these, you know, it's continuing the brand momentum that we have. It's telling our sustainable store, sustainability story better. And then finally reaching new consumers through new categories and channels and markets. And that's, uh, um, that's what I'm really focused on for, for 23. All right. Well, I'm just going to add one more, more coda because you brought it up. Do you think work leisure is going to continue in the years to come? I feel like it saw a big bump during the pandemic and it's still big now, but do you think that it's it's here to stay? I think it absolutely is. You know, the, the, the casualization of, of the workforce and the professional workforce is, is definitely here to stay. I, uh, I don't see us going back to the three-piece suits and the ties and that in, in any time uh, – anytime soon. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is a, 
a, a great fitting pair of jeans with a, a button down shirt and a, and a sport jacket. You can go anywhere in society today in any country and, and uh, nobody's going to bat an eye at it. And, uh, um, you know, that uh, that leads to good things for for Lee and for Wrangler. And, and I think we're both well positioned to 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 reach that consumer. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I had a, I had a ball. I did too. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.